an administrative job at a government facility has its benefits, especially when in a secret underground location, a place where a portal to other worlds is being used to explore universes beyond ours. If things get ugly, the risks of the job are better described as risks for our earthly world as a whole. So stay tuned for this gruesome affair, the portal into another world. Finding yourself in the talons of an owl in the shadows of the forest moonlight. It's a gruesome affair. The experiment at the facility had gone horribly wrong. Humanity was never supposed to mess with things they said were on the other side. What was meant to be a device used for traveling into other dimensions or planes of existence became the greatest weapon we created against ourselves. I put the blame on the lab coats, as I like to call the workers who are responsible for its design. Before I begin, I want to add a little something. My name is John Doe, since I won't be using my actual name. I come from a small town I assume you're not aware of. I was just a mere logistics and janitorial worker at a top-secret scientific facility dedicated to discovering life outside our universe. However, this wasn't just it. The programs they had there focused on the possibility that there does exist life on the other side, or the afterlife to be more specific. Scientists have discovered technology capable of spotting things that we would write off as fictional mumbo-jumbo. Things like ghosts, demons, angels, werewolves, wendigos, and you name it. I don't want to go into that much detail on what they found, so I'll give you some basics. One form of technology they created was a camera with a lens designed for spotting things that aren't visible to the naked eye. All the while, they are developing a radio tower or big dish, as I like to call it, that is capable of transmitting and receiving signals at nearly infinite speeds. I don't know how they did this, and it sounds too ridiculous, but that was what I heard from some lab coats when I was simply cleaning the floors. If anything, I didn't mind listening in on their findings and accomplishments, but I wish they'd learn to fucking clean up after themselves to make my job a little easier. I assume they do that on purpose, just to fuck with me sometimes, but it still beats my last workplace where coworkers constantly created drama or gossip about others, especially me. Not to mention the pay was stable. I can't leave anyway since my job is a contract job and I'm required to work there for two years until I am let go and my contract is complete. But. I'm happy of the fact that I'm receiving hourly pay as well as a $10,000 upon completion of contract. So, yeah. Right now, I'm currently not working there anymore. The facility had shut down over a month ago. All the staff, including myself, were let go following the incident. I wouldn't go back there and we were forced to leave the town. Yes, the entire town was heavily affected by this. God rest the souls of those who perished during the incident, or didn't make it out of there. So, where do I start? During a particular day where I was performing logistics work, 
when the delivery trucks for supplies came in. As usual, I would check everything that comes in and see if there's any discrepancies or damages to the delivered items. Thankfully, they were all okay. But as I was about to start putting them away along with a few other colleagues, John Doe, someone said, calling my name. I turned to see who it was and I was surprised. I didn't think a high-ranked military official would get involved in the program. Maybe the military took interest in battling forces from other dimensions, but that would be a dumb idea. Perhaps there was more to it than that. Standing next to the official was a man I knew by his alias, Ace. Why? He's considered the ace of cards when it comes to doing the work here. He's a brilliant mind to have around one that would put Einstein to shame. Ace then gave a formal introduction. I won't mention the general's real name, so I'll refer to him as Blackjack. John Doe, this is General Blackjack. He's going to be joining us in our latest experiment. He, as well as other personnel, will assist us in the monitoring of any activity regarding said experiment. Ace said, Really, what experiment is that? I asked. We call it Project Stargate. That was an interesting name for the device. The technology of the device was our greatest and most prized human accomplishment and what also led to our greatest downfall in scientific achievement. I say this because it was through this device that a horrifying situation occurred. Nevertheless, I asked to see why he wanted to introduce me, and that's when I got my answer. You will be joining us, John. We could use your support for the logistics part of it. He said, That didn't make much sense at first, until he gave me a list of the specific items and the amounts the experiment needed. Some of the things involved strange codes, as I could describe them, but these things didn't have names on the items. I'm used to seeing names and simple numbers to read, but when I'm met with complex codes or stuff like this, I'm confused. What are these codes or symbols or whatever these are? I asked Ace. Simple. Just put them in where you would normally put information you use to order products to our facility and the items associated with them will appear on the order screen automatically ready to be ordered by you. That's all you need to know. No more questions. He said. Very well. I said, confused and irritated of the fact I wasn't being let in on what they're planning. When I got to the computer and popped up the website we used to order items, I did as I was told. When I did, I was hit with a wave of confusion. Upon doing this, the item that came showed a series of more complex codes, and to the right of it said, encrypted. I assumed that whatever these were, the folks don't want anyone to know what they specifically are, not even me. I don't blame them. I'm hard to trust myself, given that I'm sharing this despite having signed a non-disclosure agreement. If anything, even I had no clue where the facility was, since I never knew the town close by it. I'm from a different state after all. That aside, I simply ordered the items and gave the confirmation to Ace. He thanked me for my work. What caught my attention was that the items arrived on the next day. Normally, I expected items to be arriving within three to five days, 
So I'm guessing wherever I order the unknown items from must be a place that has top-notch delivery speed. However, that wasn't the strangest part. Not that high-speed delivery was strange, but I didn't expect the items to arrive in just 14 hours. When I checked the boxes, they all shared the same codes I saw on the computer. When I opened the boxes to see and check for items, I was astonished. There were four glass items resembling plasma balls you could find in certain stores, and they were held in cylindrical containers. What made it more intriguing was seeing the containers had a lid that could be opened. When I opened one, the ball began to charge as best as I can describe it, as what looked like lightning started appearing in the ball. As I touched it, I was shocked at first, no pun intended. However, I wasn't electrocuted, it just felt weird. I didn't know how long I was caught up with the sensation. It's amazing, isn't it? I heard Ace say, causing me to jump in fright and turn towards him. He gave a laugh at my reaction, and I looked down in shame for it. Interesting piece of technology. When it charges like this, it's because it reacts to the bioelectricity you give off, as well as anything capable of producing electricity within it. Quite fascinating and strange, yes? He said. Where did it come from? I asked. Let's just say a top secret government facility in another country. They've been developing these things. Humanity is continuing their greatest achievements, even in secret, he told me. I looked at the other boxes that came in. Another one had guns that looked like a mix between an AK-47 and an M4. Upon closer inspection, there appeared to be some kind of glowing light on the top of the frame. The gun seemed strange too. I picked one up and I was amazed at how light they were. That's when Ace took out a gun and pointed it at the direction of an empty glass cup. Be careful where you point that. One shot from it and if it hits a person, that person's body will be all over the place. He said before firing it at the glass cup causing it, along with the table, to explode into pieces. What came out of the gun was not a bullet, but a beam of light that looked like something out of Star Wars. Damn, that's fucking dangerous. Why does the military have this tech? I asked. These guns that you see here are durable and well-built. They can withstand tremendous amounts of damage to them. If the enemy got his hands on this weapon, who knows what trouble they could cause for us, he said. That was at least understandable, although I got curious on the general himself. What about Blackjack and his fellow personnel? I asked. There's a reason he was picked along with several others. They're more than capable of dealing with things the average human mind wouldn't be able to understand or comprehend. Not to mention, they are highly trained not only in mental capacity, but physical capacity too. Of course, they'll be provided suits for the job, since we're not going to see them sent in there with only bare skin and uniforms, he explained. But what do you mean by understanding or comprehending? I asked. Put it this way, 
imagine a nine foot tall entity with four arms and four legs, humanoid in appearance, with a face similar to the horror figure, Laughing Jack, but without hair. Would you handle meeting that? He asked. I took this as a silly question. Fuck no. I would kill the damn thing or run away. I yelled. Of course you would. Even if I were to tell you that those creatures do exist, but aren't hostile to us, regardless of their so-called scary looks, you would still see them as a threat, yes? Well, no, because I know they're friendly. I said, yes, because you just found out, he said. Still, this didn't properly answer my question until he explained more. Sometimes, in certain cases, you'll come across hideous-looking entities that actually turn out to be friendly to us, while beautiful-looking entities that actually turn out to be hostile to us. Of course, it's not always the case, but don't be quick to judge something you don't understand. Now you see what I'm saying, he said. I nodded, still a little confused, but slowly understanding the point he was trying to make confusing nonetheless. As for the remaining boxes, one had a larger glass ball in its container, while the others had the suits the military personnel were going to wear. The gear looked pretty high-tech and flexible, not to mention lightweight and felt hard as iron. There were also oxygen masks and tanks with some kind of technology that allows oxygen to be replaced and reused from CO2 emissions so that the personnel never run out of oxygen to breathe. As for how it works, I have no idea, but I still don't, even to this day. Since the items we need to begin the experiment are here, let's get going, he said, signaling to me to come and join them, which made me confused. Why me? I said, like I said, you'll be joining us. Grab one of those guns, you'll need it, he said. But. I'm not fit for wielding a weapon. I'm not even a soldier, I said, trying to make sense of this. You are now, John. Besides, you'll be fascinated with this experiment. Come on, he explained. Still, it didn't seem like the kind of thing I should be involved in, since, as I said, I'm merely janitorial and logistics. I didn't expect to be a soldier for a day, so this was new. Still, even I was interested to see what's going to happen, one that I regret dearly after what I saw. When I followed Ace, he led me into a room that I've been in before. However, last I remember, there wasn't a massive, circular-shaped object inside it. I'm guessing they just brought this in. The device itself looked like some kind of portal device you would see in the Stargate series. Now. I'm assuming this is why they call it Project Stargate. It somewhat resembles that machine too. What makes this device unique is the device had five empty slots, two small ones on each side and a big one at the top. It's clearly these slots were where those glass balls are going. This is it, John. This is Project Stargate. It's going to be ready in about an hour when it is. We will be prepared to witness humanity's greatest invention come to life. 
will be able to learn more and perhaps communicate with beings from different dimensions, provided they're not hostile. Ace told me. I admit it, I was surprised to see the device myself. It was big, probably about 20 feet in length and width. You and the rest of your colleagues, bring the supplies here. We'll get the military suited up and the device ready. Ace explained. I went back to the supply room to get the stuff. I admit I was feeling nervous about this, mostly because of my fear of the unknown. We don't know what we'll meet or encounter on the other side of the portal. It is really meant to open portals or dimensions or other planes of existence. I wouldn't like the idea of inviting extraterrestrials or demonic spirits into our world. Nevertheless, I continued to participate as I let my curiosity get the best of me. After an hour had passed and the supplies were brought in, everything was in its place. The orbs were set into the slots, the military suited up, and everyone along with the military, including myself, were all equipped with weapons. The reason for this is because in case the military doesn't make it back from whatever world they're sent to or cross over to, and the inhabitants cross into the portal and are a threat to us, we're specifically told to protect this facility, soldier or not. So even the lab coats were armed. Once everyone was prepared, I heard one of the scientists giving specific details on the function of the device. Everything is currently going well. Getting frequency readings. No malfunction so far, Ace. He said. That's when I noticed Ace giving a big smile at this. He was expecting the device to function well. No issues reported. Good. Activate the device. He said. That's when I watched the scientist move his hands as if he was pressing buttons. And then he grabbed onto what looked like a small lever before pulling it down. Once he did, I turned to look at the portal. It gave off a strange noise which sounded like a mix between whistling and electronic whirring. Then I noticed the glass orbs light up, meaning they're in contact with the electricity flowing throughout or around the device. I couldn't tell. Then the big orb at the center top lit up, and after a few moments of waiting, I noticed a scene manifest in the center of the device. The military personnel lined up in front of the device, preparing to cross over into it. When I looked at the scenery in front, I was amazed. The place seemed quite beautiful. I noticed what assumed to be birds in the distance, flying around in that beautiful purple sky. There even appeared to be huge mountains in the distance. One of the birds probably saw the portal because it started flying towards us. But when it got close enough, I realized they weren't birds. They were dragons. This dragon looked a lot like the one in the movie, Rain of Fire. Then it gave a very loud screech. Turn it off! Turn it off! Ace yelled as one of the dragons spat fire at the personnel. Before the portal was shut off, the dragon's fire came in contact with the suits of the personnel. Apparently, those suits could withstand the heat of that fire, and thankfully, no one was injured. 
However, everyone cheered on about this moment. Why are we cheering? The dragon could have burnt us all. It even flew towards us. I said loudly. That's a good sign too, John. That means our portal was a success. We just made contact. Ace said in a fit of joy and excitement. Of course, the fact that the dragon's fire touched the suits means the portal wasn't showing just a simple scene, but it was also a gateway into another world. I was at least thankful the dragon didn't cross through the portal, else it would be here with us and wreaking havoc in the facility, and we'd probably all be dead. Unfortunately, Ace's ambition got the best of him as he asked to turn the portal back on. When it was back on, the scientist scanned for other worlds or dimensions to access. This one seems to operate in a different vibratory frequency, the scientist claimed. Apparently, this was a dimension beyond that of our physical universe. Looking at it, the realm looked like it was made of pure energetic light. Then I noticed the inhabitants. They resembled humanoid beings with etheric bodies. Thankfully, none of the entities gave a threatening gesture since they looked in our direction. Should we go through? General Blackjack asked. This world is etheric in nature. There's a pretty good chance you'll leave your bodies, therefore die if you cross into it. So to be safe, it's best you stay put. Ace told them. I'm not surprised with Ace's expertise on etheric energies given that he's worked in this facility dedicated to finding such things in their existence. Still, the realm looked beautiful and interesting. It seemed to be a realm surrounded in an empty void, yet it was inhabited by beings made of pure light. Proceed to scan for more worlds, Ace said. I was bummed out when we lost sight of that plane. I can only wish to join those inhabitants after I die even though that sounds ridiculous. Once the next scan finished, we noticed a new world that was strange. This world looked like ours, but it was black and white in color. It was like staring at an old vintage movie back in the 1930s. Strangest of all was seeing the inhabitants in the distance. Are we able to cross into it? General Blackjack asked. Unlike the previous one, scans show this one is stable, so yes, the scientist claimed. Once we got the approval, he and the military walked through the portal and began walking on that world. That's when I saw the inhabitants looking directly at them. I jumped slightly in shock when I noticed one of those inhabitants appeared quickly in front of the portal from the side. It reached its arms out in an attempt to touch the portal, only that its hand went through. From what I observed, even at a distance, this thing resembled Slender Man, given its features. The only exception was the height, that being four to five feet as best as I can describe. It also had fingers with long black nails. It seemed completely naked, but at least the thing didn't have any genitalia. After observing us through the portal, it turned towards the personnel who were visibly watching it and then walked towards them. I assumed that this thing was going to attack the general and everyone in their world. 
but that didn't happen. Instead, it just stared at them for a few moments before it turned away and took off running as if it had seen the boogeyman. The other figures in the distance did the same thing, choosing not to interact with the personnel. General Blackjack, can you still hear us? Ace asked through the speaker. Yeah, we can. Thank goodness. Luckily, there was still some sound to be heard from you, else I wouldn't be talking to you right now. General Blackjack claimed, The guys who made these suits are geniuses. The communication system in your suit can still keep in connection with us, despite being in a new world. Now, come back in. Ace said with a smile. The general and all the personnel came back. Their suits were checked for any substances from that world, but there was nothing. Let's do one final look into another world before we cease our experiment, Ace claimed. If there was one more thing I could give credit to Ace for, he was spot on when he said this was our final look. This is because it was at this moment that things turned grim. When the scientist began a scan and found a new world, we were met with a hazy, smoky scene. For some reason, we couldn't see anything, but that wasn't the worrying part. What followed next was a series of loud, screeching sounds, followed by guttural roars and howling noises that I've never heard in all my years. I grew up in a small town where I would hear wolves howling at certain times of the night. This howling sound was new, let alone extremely awful. All these sounds from it made my skin crawl with pure terror. I don't like that noise. I'll find another world, the scientist anxiously stated before beginning a new scan. I was thankful that the noises were gone. We found another world which probably wouldn't be any better if the device stayed on it. There appeared to be skyscrapers and the entire city seemed as though we were staring into the future or perhaps an alien civilization. However, this lasted for only several moments because after that, this is where the horror began. The world disappeared and after hearing what the scientist said next, a cold grip of terror got me. The device, something must be controlling it. It's taking us back to the previous world we just left. Everyone in the facility, even I myself, became anxious and horrified. I assumed that whatever was in that world must have noticed the portal we made to access its world and decided to force us back to it. When we were brought back, those horrifying sounds returned. To add to the terror, a figure walked through the portal. This thing was horrifying. It looked like an unholy mix between a werewolf and a wendigo. It had antlers on the top of its head with long black tusks protruding from its mouth. While the body looked fleshy and furry and its eyes bloodshot with a yellow iris and crimson pupils, then it gave off a horrible guttural howl. Other hideous creatures different in sizes and appearances came through the portal. The hideous wolf-looking entity slashed at one of the soldiers, causing his suit to be ripped apart with ease. Open fire! Open fire! Open fire! General Blackjack screamed. We all shot at the creatures. They were taking damages from the shots, but this didn't seem to drive them back. 
nor cause their bodies to explode. These things were resilient. They got angry and started lunging around, attacking anyone else nearby. John, get the fuck out of here. We'll hold them off. The rest of you, go! Blackjack told me. I nodded and ran as fast as I could. I heard loud footsteps coming towards me with a sound of its guttural roar telling me that one of the creatures is chasing me down. The thing stopped when I heard its screech in pain. I turned to look, and I could see Ace lying with his gun pointed at the pursuing creature's direction. John, there's a lever at the opening to the facility. Pull it down before you leave. This will keep these things from getting out. Go now! Ace told me, before the creature decided to target him for his transgression, leaving me alone. This gave me the opportunity to get away from the room as I shut the door tight and made sure it was locked, hoping it would buy me some time. I suspect these things would know how to break it down, since they're intelligent enough to cause the device to return the portal back to their world. My suspicions were confirmed when one of the small entities knocked the door down and came out. I saw it turn towards me, and it gave chase. Luckily, it wasn't fast enough, so I could run from it. The alarm kicked off. Warning, unidentified breach in Sector 2A. Repeat, unidentified breach in Sector 2A. When I got through the facility lobby, some of the workers started prepping to leave the facility. They saw me running, followed by a small creature that was looking at them. The workers all ran in fear. I was lucky that that creature didn't jump up to attack me because it jumped to the wall and lunged at one of the workers poor guy wasn't quick enough to get away, as that thing kept mauling him alive. I couldn't stay to help him, so I kept running. When I finally got to the exit, another creature came bursting through the lobby. It was that hideous wolf-like entity. It had its eyes locked onto me. Luckily, I was in reach of the lever, so I grabbed onto it and pulled it down. Sadly, a few other scientists that were in the lobby couldn't make it out in time. I saw the facility's large emergency door, which looked like a metal hanger door, slide from right to left at a very fast pace. I was able to jump out, with the emergency door missing my feet by a few inches. Myself, along with two logistics colleagues and three lab coats, were the only ones who made it out. I felt sorry for those who didn't make it. Godspeed to those who might still be alive down there. After a couple of days, we were notified by our local news of a mass outbreak of some unknown virus from that facility, and nearby residents, along with myself, were ordered to evacuate immediately. Now that place is nothing more than a ghost town. There's no one living there. As for me, I'm currently in a city I'm not going to disclose. I don't want anyone coming to my door and talking to me about this. I'd rather just post this on some random website than do a debriefing or interview. I was also told that I was released from duty, and the organization I worked for declared my contract fulfilled and deposited the $10,000 into my bank along with my paycheck. So why am I telling you this now? Well. It's because after about a month, I had received a call from one of the lab coats, specifically the one that did the scans. I didn't know how he got a hold of my phone number, but I assumed someone told him or he got hold of my application records. 
I was surprised he was one of the three lab coats that made it out, but I didn't pay attention, probably because I was more worried with saving my skin than seeing his face. I asked him about the facility's condition, and luckily the entire place itself was designed and modified to be tougher than tungsten, so there's no way those things were getting out, at least I hope. I can only hope that they don't find a way out too and reach the surface of our world. When I asked what happened to the device, he told me that he had no clue, but the device gave a set of numbers on the screen that was associated with that horrifying world, indicating that the world had a specific frequency. When I asked what numbers the frequency held, I got a bone-chilling answer. He told me, Six, 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 six. To my forest friends, thank you for listening to another horrible tale. Dusk is a time of transition. It is an owl's wake-up call. As the shadows grow longer and darkness takes over, the only thing to really fear is fear itself. So be still in the storm, and I promise you, you will be safe. Please help this channel grow to 10,000 subscribers by ripping at the subscribe button and scratching a comment. I read every single comment here and am honored and energized by each new subscriber. More tales are in the works, so I hope to see you very soon here on the Smoking Owl Tales channel on another night very soon. 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 Another night very soon.